The opinions voiced in Wall Street to Main Street are offered for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, or financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Advisory services offered through Wealth Plan Partners. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Wealth Plan Partners, Held in Wealth Management and Securities America are separate entities. Wall Street to Main Street with Tom Hamilton. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to Wall Street to Main Street on this beautiful Friday afternoon in upstate New York. Tom Hamilton here, president of Hamilton Wealth Management in Pittsburgh, New York. Of course, host of Wall Street to Main Street every uh, Friday afternoon here on WYSL. So, okay. I, you know, for longtime listeners, you know that, that over the last bunch of years, I try and I try and I try to get away from talking politics. But after last night, I, I think I have to lead off with a discussion of what we heard, what we saw and what we've seen for the last three years. And I so most of the listeners to the show here on WYSL are obviously not Biden fans. I'm hoping most people aren't reveling in what they're seeing from this guy and and, uh, enjoying the situation that we see in front of us because it will lead to his political... Let, Let me just say this. I've been saying for over a year that I don't believe the election is going to wind up Trump against Biden. I, I No specifics as to which one wasn't going to make it to the finish line. But I predicted that the, the two of them both, they both won't make it to the finish line. One probably, not both. Uh, I, I believe the last week, and again, it's only because it's coming more to light in the, to, to the to where the mainstream media can't ignore it and Main Street America can't ignore it. Joe Biden is done. Okay, Joe Biden is done. And it, I, I just want to be clear that it's not his age. I, I think that's one of the great excuses now that they're using. Well, does, you know, his age, this and that. I've been a financial advisor in the retirement planning and helping people retri- retire for over 25 years. So you do the math, right? If somebody retired between 60 and 65, those early clients of ours, are all well into their 80s at this point. And I can say I don't have a single client that age 80, at 81 has that same look of confusion and almost like, like he forgets how to move, right, with, the, with his strange way he walks and that, that frozen look when somebody asks a question, well, he thinks, and the fiddling with his stack of papers as he's answering a, a specific question, he's not even finding something to read down there. I don't know what he's looking at. He's really just trying to give his brain time to, th- to think things through. Joe Biden, mentally and physically, is not your typical 81-year-old. I'm, I'm a believer that there should be a younger generation of leaders in the country. Uh, let younger people decide for themselves their future, right? For their, for their future. I don't think 
You know, if somebody's in their 80s, the decisions they're making, whether they're in Congress, where we have a whole bunch of people that have that are way beyond uh, where their decisions impact their future. Uh, so, so I'm a big believer in, in, in youth movement in politics, always, always. But let's not let let's not let the media or pundits or whatever pretend like Joe Biden and the way he's acting, the way he looks, the whole the whole situation. Let's not pretend that that's normal for 81 year old. It's normal for an 81 year old in significant mental and physical decline. And again, also, it, you can't just let them put it off as some he's confusing some facts and forgets a few things and he's blundering. Right. I've done a radio show for like 12 years or whatever. And just in general, I've I've never been the smoothest talker. Right. Why I do a radio show when I'm not, I don't know. I, I think it's authentic and, and I enjoy doing it. But I struggle for words and always have. I think a lot of people do. It's not that that isn't what it is. It's literally having to sit and look at a, a piece of paper or close his eyes like he's falling asleep for five, ten uncomfortable seconds just to put thoughts together. So it isn't just that he said that, that uh, the, the president of Mexico, on his urging, the president of Mexico finally opened the border into Gaza, right? I, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if everybody caught that right away. When he said Mexico, I'm like, what? Is he really confusing our border with Gaza's border, and I don't think he is. I don't think it's just that. Again, it's the whole totality of the situation, and it's actually very scary for America because, you know, a lot of people are watching that saying, "Ah, great, now Trump's tr Trump's a shoe in." Trust me when I tell you, Biden will not be the nominee. How they do it, I have no idea at this point, right? I don't even know. Like, like I guess when you get to your the Democrat convention, technically they can pick anybody they want. I'm not sure if that's true. I, I'm just telling you, he will not be the, the, the nominee. And as an aside, as an aside, aside, I forget what the special counsel uh, investigator's name was who wrote this report. Uh, I, I do think that the guy, like it's not his job to inform the country that Biden is, uh, as he put it, an elderly man who's very forgetful. An elderly man is very forgetful. Uh, I don't think that's his job. Like, I don't know why that was part. Hey, he's making an excuse for not indicting him. But it seems to me, it seems to me like the special counsel decided for the Democrats that it's up to him to take Biden out of the, to take Biden out as a candidate. And again, I guess, I guess if that's the only way everybody's eyes were opened to the situation, for the for the good of the country, I guess that's a good thing, but it's not that guy's job. The bizarre, the the whole report and conclusions of it were absolutely bizarre. Like he he clearly put stuff in there so that when this report got put out, there was going to be a huge to do. And I think his hope was, you know, again he met with Biden for five hours. Clearly, he came away with it saying, "Holy crap! Holy crap!" We got ourselves a big problem as a country and as Democrats and as Democrats. 
this can't this guy can't be our candidate going into next year. And I do believe that, that he wasn't doing it to uh, make it smoother for Trump to get in, because I, I mean, just imagine Biden at debates. I'm sure they they would wind up saying uh, Trump is such a, a, a you know horses behind. We're, we refuse to do a debate with this guy. Maybe they'd try that. The fact of the matter is, it's, it'd be awful hard to run for president without being in some of the debates or doing any news shows. The, when Biden canceled or, or declined free publicity in the most televised event in the world, which is the Super Bowl, uh, you know, where, where presidents often come on for, for, for a short halftime interview, when he declined that, I scratched my head and said, are, are things slipping so quickly that he's afraid for even a, you know, which team do you like? Are you a Swifty? Uh, you know, that type of interview. So what we saw last night, first of all, they announced at 7 o'clock that he was doing a 745 press conference with no agenda. So I'm watching TV. You know, I've had this knee operation, this knee replacement, so I'm home with stretching on the couch, icing my knee watching TV. And they announce it after this report has been put out. And I do think that America got 45 minutes to know what it feels like of potentially having Kamala Harris as our president, because I don't think anybody knew what he was going to say. Uh, so a couple of things, a couple of things. The, you know, Kamala Harris now becomes the focus. If Biden stays in, she's the focus of a lot of the rest of the campaigning and debates and everything. Because if they can drag him across the finish line like they did with Fetterman for Senate in Pennsylvania, which was bizarre, by the way, right? He couldn't make a coherent thought, and he's one of 100 senators, right? So don't think that they can't drag this guy's carcass across the finish line. There's so many people who don't like Trump. It is possible. It is possible. But if they're able to do that, nobody— Okay, nobody. I don't care what any Democrat says, like on camera. There isn't a single person in the country that believes that Joe Biden can be president five years from now. Like, that's what we're talking about with with a second term. I think most of the country now knows that Joe Biden can't be president five minutes from now. I think I think the next what what has he got? 11 months left. Holy crap. He's got 11 months left in in this term. Uh, I believe that the, the wheels are already moving to do something about that as soon as possible. I'm certain the wheels are moving to do something about propping up a different candidate and finding some way to get him to step away, which is going to be very hard to do. Because, again, how does he say he's not competent to run for office, but, yeah, I'm fine to run the, the, the uh, largest superpower in the world for the next 10 months? Right. I mean, I think before he said before he announced his reelection. That he was going to run again, then he could have said, I, I'm finishing up this term. I don't want a reelection campaign to interrupt the great work that I have to finish and accomplish. And I think then he could have finished out this term and not run again. But at this point, I'm not sure how any of that works out. I, I just think that, that it's unfortunate that our country has been put in this situation. And, and by the way, I'm not a Trumper, okay? 
I, uh, I, I like some of Trump's policies, tax policies specifically from early on. But I personally believe Trump is a, is a horse's behind, right? I'm, I, I, you know what the truth is? Trump is a horse's rear end. I, you, you can prefer him to Biden. You can even like him, I, I guess, as a candidate. But to deny that he's a jerk, a horse's behind, I think is ignoring the reality as much as the Democrats tried to ignore the reality of Biden. But man, oh man, you know, Trump was, what, three years younger than Biden? It's not the age. I, I, again, there, there are very, uh, very energetic, healthy 80-year-olds whose mental capacity is equal to when they were younger, much younger. It is true that short-term and quick memory does fade as you get older. I think that's a given, right? I think that's a given. But you can also pick up a lot of wisdom and uh, experience and knowledge in that time also to offset it. And you, you do have that knowledge in your head. It's just sometimes harder. Like if, like if somebody who's a very brilliant person but 80 years old went on Jeopardy, they're going to struggle to, to, to answer the buzzer as quick as somebody who's 35. But, but given another five seconds time, they would be able to bring that knowledge to the front of their brain and have an, a coherent discussion about issues, topics, and that type of thing. So the bottom line is, you know, I've been telling you for over a year these two weren't both going to make it. I'm still not sure Trump's going to make it to the finish line. I think... I think based on the, the feeling coming out of the Supreme Court this this week th that a lot of the uh, bizarre state attempts to keep him off the ballot are going to go w where they should go, which is kerplunk, right? Like like one secretary of state or one court in one state decides for a whole state who they can and can't vote for. That's just ridiculous. I, and again, I think everybody knew that. I think the states that did it knew it. Right. I, I think they thought it would reflect poorly on Trump. The reality is, I think it's solidified the Trump argument that they're all out to get him and they're going to do whatever it takes, because let, let, let's let's call it like it is. Right. Let's call it like it is. The actions of Biden with these documents, like the actual uh, investigation topic, which wasn't his mental state, it was the actual documents that he was shown to have willfully taken documents he shouldn't have. Keep in mind, he was not president. He was vice president, right, or, or a senator at the time for some of these documents. So it isn't like he could even say, well, I'm the president. I declared, I decided these were not, uh, doc, you know, these documents were unclassified and I can take them with me. He's not even the president. So, so the, the, the report basically said he did the same thing as Trump did, but Trump wasn't nice to, a, nice to the investigators so he was indicted, which is ridiculous. And again, I don't know where that's going to uh, wind up. I think it's going to wind up on the scrap heap of ridiculous prosecutions. And I, I personally don't think Biden needed to be prosecuted for this. I don't think either one of those are a prosecutable offense. Uh, there should have been some sort of reprimand or some sort of explanation for it, and you move on. But man, oh man, that report... Uh, again, it's not news to anybody who wanted to watch what was going on. It's only news to the people who were willfully ignorant 
of the situation or pay no attention to, to the politics at all. So anyhow, Bobby D, let's take a break. I, I'm going to talk about Social Security, you know, financial topic when we come back. But the bottom line is, uh, yeah, that was sad, scary, and concerning for all Americans. And again, I don't think it's, it means Trump is going to win the election because I think Trump is going to be running against a much tougher candidate, whoever that is, than Biden, because that would be about everybody in the whole country that I know would be a better candidate at this point than Biden. You're listening to Wall Street to Main Street with Tom Hamilton. Be right back. This is Wall Street to Main Street with your host, Tom Hamilton. Hey, we're back here on Wall Street to Main Street. Well, it's Friday, right? It's, it's Friday at 4.20, and it's still it's still daytime outside. It's not dark, right? So we're, we're, we're on the backside of the dark days of summer, of winter. Uh, all's good, right? This, this little break of warmer weather with little sunshine is nice to get thrown in in February. I think the cold and maybe some snow is coming back, but... Uh, you, you know, we're, we're tough Western New Yorkers. That's not a problem. It's just good to get a little respite from it every now and then. I'm, I'm going to talk about Social Security in the next segment. I just, I just want to finish up my thoughts on what we saw yesterday w- with Biden and uh, the whole way that was handled. Uh, what, what was going on at that news conference? Normally, when a president does a news conference, they call on specific people and it's not just a crazy shouting match. That looked that that looked like a, a uncontrolled press corps screaming and yelling at a tired, confused old man. Tired and confused old man. Now I I know that's harsh. I know that's harsh. But that's what it that's what it looked like. Why why didn't Biden call on specific people other than, other than uh, what's his name Peter Ducey? Uh, who, who I don't know if he called on him or pointed or he just yelled the loudest. And Biden had a pretty funny comment, by the way, when he said, yeah, my memory must be bad because I let you talk. So that was actually pretty funny. Uh, pretty good comment. Not 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 really bad-natured either. Even Ducey said it was it was pretty funny. And Peter Ducey, like, like, like uh, you know, like CNN had with Trump, He's a gotcha question guy. I actually don't like that. Maybe there's Fox people who like Fox viewers who find that. Aha, gotcha. I don't like gotcha questions. Ask a regular question. I remember what's in it. Caitlin, Caitlin, whatever from CNN in that other guy. Uh, who, who was that guy? The guy with the the typical newsman hairdo and whatever. The Trump. All, Trump made a star out of the guy because he always called on him and, and mocked him. But but, but anyhow. Just gotcha questions, but uh, but but after that, it was just screaming and shouting. With Biden closing his eyes, looking befuddled, confused, and lost. And again, this is how this is why he's doing no live press conference. This is why he's doing no live interviews for from anybody but the friendliest of softball uh, type interviewers. Not, not even that lately, to be honest with you. But why wouldn't they had? Why wouldn't he be calling on people? I I think like if you watch, most presidents know the press corps and they call on them by name. Some of them have a 
a, a written list of the order they want to call on people, I think he's unable to pull that off, to be honest with you. Otherwise, why would have they done that? Why would they just have a room full of people shouting and screaming, are you too old and senile to be president of the United States? Rather than call on particular people, they, they left it to whoever yelled the loudest. And uh, again, you know, saying that aid to Gaza was coming up from the Mexican border, uh, okay, that a slip up like that, you know, he has Mexico on his mind because he's working on a border deal. But that's on top of the, the well-reported and well-known other mistakes he made just this week about referring to people he was talking to at meetings the last couple of years that have been dead for a long time, you know, the, 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 the European leaders. And again, am I a thesaurus or, or, or an uh, encyclopedia of uh, the names of the, the, the president of France for the last 30 years? No, I, I don't know and I don't care, to be honest with you. Uh, but do I sit there and say I was having a meeting with such and such last week, like one of my clients, and then their wife say, oh, no, no, Joe's been dead for 10 years, right? That doesn't happen for normal people whose minds are sound and and working. You don't, that's not a mix-up you make if it's somebody you're literally have been engaged with in the last little bit. So, So the bottom line is, the bottom line is, Joe Biden came in as a hopefully less partisan Democrat because people had had it with Trump, right? And again, Trump voters won't accept that. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, just about any other Republican would have beat Biden soundly in the last election, almost any other Republican. But Trump is a good candidate for the 36% of the, of the electorate that love Trump and want Trump, and partly want Trump just despite the other side, right? Because of how they how Trump was treated. So, but make no mistake, in the big scheme of the world, Trump is no great candidate. How how bad of a candidate does it take to lose to this guy? And now you're gonna say, oh, Trump didn't lose. Trump didn't lose. Okay, whatever. Say say whatever you want. Whatever you want. Whatever happened in 2020, call it what you want. For the next four years, Joe Biden's president. So I call that Biden beat him, right? So, so we have two uh, would-be candidates, both of which, in my opinion, are not good candidates, both of which can be easily beaten by a good candidate from the other side. So in the big scheme of things, I believe, either he was put up to it or did it on his own, this special counsel guy took in writing this report, he took his opportunity to put up a better candidate for the Democrats. Again, who that is, I don't know. Is it Newsom from California? I don't know. He's got nice hair, I guess. Uh, is it Kamala Harris? Uh, no, probably not. I don't think anybody wants to vote for Kamala Harris. So you got what you got, right? Right. I, I, I blame... Trump for Biden being in office because almost anybody else would have beat him. Uh, maybe the Democrats will have to blame Biden for Trump retaking the office if Biden if Biden ru- continues to run. But again, I said it before. I'm saying it more specifically now. This dude is not making it to the finish line. 
for this election. It is not going to happen. They'll have a different candidate. And almost anybody is a better candidate than Joe Biden. So don't think this cinches it for Trump. You're listening to Wall Street to Main Street with Tom Hamilton. Be right back. You're listening to Wall Street to Main Street with Tom Hamilton. Hey, welcome back to Wall Street to Main Street. Uh, Tom Hamilton here. Yeah. So, 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 yeah. Okay. That, that, that's it with the Biden stuff. I, I, I got to move on. But holy crap! What, what the heck? You, you, you know, how many, how many million people do we have in the country? That this is what we come up with. What the heck are we doing, right? You ever ask yourself, what the heck are we doing? I, and by the way, I, I think I think I heard this. I think this is correct. Uh, Bill Clinton, who was president like before my kids were born, uh, and my kids are adults now, Bill Clinton is younger still than both Biden and Trump. I think that's true. I wonder. I wonder if George W. Bush is is younger. Right. I, I, I wonder if George Washington is younger than Biden. Anyhow, I, I, I digress. All right. So I want to talk about Social Security uh, decisions for uh, retirees or soon to be retirees. Social Security, you, you know, typically you can start Social Security at 62. Uh, if you don't take it, your benefit grows up until age 70, your own personal benefit, uh, spousal benefit. If, if you're married or or were married to anybody for 10 years, you can actually get a, an enhanced. And if their benefit was significantly higher than your own, you can get an enhanced benefit based on the work history of not just a current spouse, but anybody you were married to for 10 years. Uh, well, I guess that would be if you're not if you're not currently married. So even divorced people. If they were married to somebody for 10 years or more and they're single now, uh, they can still look into the spousal benefit. And it's very complicated. I, I was just talking to Ryan in our office, who's a younger advisor uh, who, who works at Hamilton Wealth Management. We are talking a little bit about a particular client scenario, uh, which we do all the time. And we we're talking about the nuances of some of the stuff. And it is tricky stuff. So... There's also a widow benefit. Like if if you're a widow or a widower, age 60, you can take a benefit. And there's also uh, dependent benefits if you still have dependents. So the bottom line is Social Security becomes a pretty complicated thing to decide when to take it, when to how to optimize it. And, and of course, we don't have the critical fact in the formula, and this is why it's not just a formula or a calculation. We don't know how long we're going to live, right? We don't know how long our spouse is going to live. So if you don't know how long you're going to live, you don't know how much benefit there is to putting off taking Social Security to make your amount grow. And with married couples, you know, we often find that it's the best thing to do uh, best, that it makes a lot of sense to have the lower-earning spouse start their Social Security earlier, the higher-earning spouse, whose benefit's going to be larger, wait and let it grow 
sometimes till 67, sometimes till age 70. Depends on all their other sources of income and, uh, you know, how much they believe in or want to depend on these Social Security increases actually happening, which, again, heretofore have worked out perfectly fine for everybody. And the other big factor is, and I tell all folks that I'm doing retirement planning with and ongoing clients, if you're 62 and choose not to take Social Security, you're not making a final decision then to wait till 70. You can take it any time along the way. So your plan may be, hey, right now it makes sense for us to take it at age 70. Well, then at 65, you get some sort of health condition that might reduce your life expectancy. And I, that's a horrible thing, but it's part of life and it's part of financial planning that we do. Uh, it might be that that totally changes the weight of the discussion to it's better to take it sooner, right? It could be you're, you know, you have substantial retirement assets in IRAs or 401ks or 403Bs or whatever, and you're more comfortable drawing out of those accounts from age 62 to 70, let's say, knowing that those accounts will reduce in value as you draw out of them, but knowing that at age 70, you have a Social Security payment almost double what you would have had at 62, and then you get that for the rest of your life. Now, you'd only want to do that if you expect that you have good genes and your your longevity will sustain. And so I see a lot of people, advisors, uh, online people, who, you know, there's all sorts of Social Security optim optimization calculators out there that give you the break-even point. Now, break, my break-even, taking it now versus waiting, is age 79 and a half, okay? Uh, that's only partly true. That's only partly true. You have to figure in, for example, one of the reasons we often have recommend a spouse with the higher earning spouse wait till later, even age 70, is if you're a married couple and, and one of the two passes away, that higher Social Security lives on, right? right? So, so, if, so if Mary has a Social Security amount of $1,500 and John has a Social Security, her husband, of 3000 a month, if John passes away, Mary doesn't keep her amount. She switches to that 3000 a month. So, so if John had waited till 70 and his group from, let's say, 1500 at age 62 to 3000 at 70, that bigger amount carry, isn't just for his life. It's for two lives. It's for two lives because you don't get both Social Securities when, when your spouse passes away. You basically get the larger of the two. So Social Security is very complicated. And you don't need to make all the decisions at age 62. You just need to decide whether you want to start right then and there. And things happen along the way. That's why, to be honest with you, we only do some planning modeling in our software to address this question. Because experience has taught me that you know, the, the, the way the increases in Social Security go and, and uh, the, the built-in increases if you wait to take it, they're calculated out actuarially to make sense in about this interest rate environment. So there is no right and wrong decision, right? If, if you prolong taking it and then you keel over at 68, you, you haven't started. Well, you made a wrong decision, I guess, technically, 
But of course, you didn't know you were going to die at 68, right? You didn't know you're going to die at 68. So all we can do is make the best decisions, the most reasonable decisions for our situation at the time. And again, there's a lot more goes into it. Uh, do you have a pension, right? Do you plan to work? That's the other part, right? For most people, if you're working and making much of any income, uh, often delaying Social Security, of course, is, is better because otherwise you just got to pay back what you got because of the penalty, quote unquote, for taking, for earning income. Well, but, but of course, after full retirement age, which for me, I think is 67 years old. You're, you might be 66 and change, but most people are 67 plus now. After that age, you can earn. You can still work full time and earn, you know, you could earn a million bucks and still take Social Security without a penalty after full retirement age. So, you, you know, are you going to work? Are you going to earn an income? Are you going to work part time? Where would the money to live on come from? Right. What sources do you have? Is it taxable money? Is it Roth money? Is it regular investment money? Is it just savings? So all these things factor in to the ongoing decision of when to take Social Security. And I believe any any attempt to. So, so again, if we if we look at it with our financial planning software and a optimization calculator, that's one input in discussing it with the clients. That doesn't tell you the the quote unquote answer, because I'm here to tell you the answer doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It's there are ways you can work to like, for example, if somebody was married for more than 10 years and now they're a widow and they start at age 60, taking the widow's benefit and they remain healthy, then it very well may be advantageous to wait until at least full retirement age or even age 70 to start their own benefit. Because now, although they're waiting for their own benefit to grow, they're getting something in that widow's benefit while they wait. Whereas a normal or a typical, you know, you don't have the widow's benefit. If you wait till later on in life to take Social Security, well, you're not getting anything while you wait. So it's a much tougher decision. So, so that's why, you know, the decision and the calculus and the calculations with a somebody whose spouse has passed away could differ significantly than, than that same person when they were married, right? That, that maybe, maybe waiting wasn't as advantageous for their own benefit. Maybe now that they're getting that widow's benefit, you know, it is advantageous. And then there's other benefits for, for, for older folks that, that are 16 over a widow or whatever that, that happen to have dependent kids. Maybe they're raising their grandkids and they're the guardians for them. A lot goes into Social Security calculations. I don't believe it can be thought, talked about in a vacuum without talking about it in the context of full retirement planning, making retirement income decisions from all your options for income. So Social Security is one, pensions one for some people. You know, do you take it from an IRA? Do you take money from a 401k? Hey, that's going to be taxable, but somebody's eventually going to pay taxes on that anyhow. Or if you have accumulated savings, do you just live off of those savings up until the time comes when you take Social Security and increase your income? You know, all that stuff, it's all part of the equation. Uh, th th there is no calculation that's going to tell you, aha, I know exactly at, at age 67 and nine months is the right time, the perfect time for me to take Social Security. Okay. You know, if that's what the calculator tells you, uh, might be right, 
might be that your life changes significantly between now and then, your health changes, your spouse's health changes, the interest rates that you can get out and investment options you can have outside, you know, for your retirement accounts changes. I mean, this has changed a ton just in the last two years. When a safe account, a short-term treasury account or whatever, was paying 1%, right, 1%, that's a very different environment than when they're paying 5% as to what you do with your Social Security. Because now that money that maybe if you take Social Security earlier, the money you didn't spend out of your other accounts can be safely invested at a much higher rate of return. Big difference, big difference in the overall calculation. So anyhow, that's Social Security. And Bobby D, let's take a break. Uh, I, I just wanted to go over that so, so the people that are in that situation or looking at it, you, you know, the best thing you can do is either go, you know, get a hold of Social Security and have them run their run their estimates for you, for yourself and your spousal benefit, or go to socialsecurity.gov and try to get those numbers. Uh, but having the information and, and then either if you're very good at the analysis, have at it, or talking to a professional advisor who deals with this stuff every day, they can hopefully help you. But, but a, a simple calculator, good start, but that's not the only factors you need to look at. You're listening to Wall Street and Main Street with Tom Hamilton. We'll be right back. This is Wall Street to Main Street with your host, Tom Hamilton. Hey, we're back here on Wall Street to Main Street. Yeah, I hope your weekend's off to a great start. Mine, mine's doing pretty well. Mine's doing pretty well so far. Get to talk to you folks here on, on the show. Uh, you know, I mentioned I-bonds last week. I think I've done a whole segment on them. Just, just reminding people who listen to the show, uh, a year, year and a half ago, when I-bond rates were actually over 9% for a six-month period, uh, we did talk about them. Uh, again, we don't recommend anything on the show. We, we, we talk about general concepts. We only recommend stuff to, to clients in person or, 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 you know, when we consult with our clients and we know more about their situation. But I did mention the I-bonds. I know a lot of folks, uh, clients of ours have purchased I-bonds. Uh, my wife and I had I-bonds. The rates have changed significantly, and you want to review that. So I'm not telling you, you should, whether you, if you bought them, you should keep them or sell them. Certainly, if I talk to clients of ours, we make recommendations on that. But, uh, yeah, it's time to take another look. If you bought them when those rates were eye-popping, you've gotten the great benefit of the super high eye-popping rates for, for a you know extraordinarily safe investment. Uh Give it some thought now. You know, look at the current rates, understand how they work, or talk to somebody who does understand it. And uh, you know, your your what's right for you might be different than what's right for somebody else or for me. So that's why we can't tell you what to do over the radio. But uh, I, I do want to make sure because we had talked about them a couple of times in the past uh, that the people know that we're making we're at least at my firm we're giving them a. We're looking at we're looking at them now, deciding and helping people decide what to do with the I bonds they own that they bought the last couple of years. All right, health savings accounts (HSAs) they are available to to people that have uh, health care plans that are quote unquote high deductible, 
which many, many are offered now for like, you know, if you get health care through your company, through your place of employment, a lot of times those are now either you have the choice of a high deductible plan or that's all you have available. And health savings accounts can be, in my opinion, superb tax advantaged savings accounts and investment accounts for many people. So, you know, like the I-bond discussion I just had, I don't make recommendations. Should you be, quote unquote, maxing out your HSA? We're not going to tell you that one way or the other uh, on the radio. How the heck would I know your income needs, your expenses, and that type of thing if you're not somebody who's a client of ours? But I am telling people that HSAs, if used for medical expenses, which whether it's now, five years from now, 10, 20, there'll be plenty of medical expenses we all have that we can use HSA savings for over our lifetime. They have, as far as I know, HSAs have the best tax deal of any savings or investing vehicle that exists because the money you put in is pre-tax, so you're not taxed on it uh, on your paycheck. It grows tax deferred, which is great. And then if you use it for medical, for qualifying medical expenses, and I'm not going to go through the list of what qualifies. Lots of stuff qualifies. Okay, lots of stuff. If you use it for qualifying medical expenses, either now or after you've let that money stay invested for 20 years in the future, that's not taxed. So it's the only, it's tax, it's pre-tax, tax deferred, and then tax-free on the back end. Don't think there's any other vehicle that has those three sides of the tax equation. So, so again, it, it's, it's very tax-friendly to use HSAs. And the amounts you can put in have gone up quite substantially for 2024. So, I, again, the numbers are dependent on your plan and whether it's just you or a family or you and a spouse. And at age 55, you can you can add a thousand bucks as a catch-up amount. But I believe if you're if you and your spouse are 55 and over, the limit's about 10,000 bucks total this year. That's pretty darn good, right? That's a lot of money, and. Uh, it might be next year it goes up to that, but it went up a lot or quite a bit for 2023 and four. So my point is, my point is for a lot of people who have these available as one of their uh, benefits at work for their health care plan, I think a lot of people aren't using them to, to their true potential, right? Pe- people make sure they put in to the 401k or, or whatever, where they get matching, which is a great idea, maybe even a better idea. But man, once you've gotten to, you know, let's say they match 6% of your 401k, you know, half of 6%, they put three in. For every dollar above that, it might make sense for a lot of people, their next dollar that they're able to save goes to the HSA, not to the 401k, or not to their after-tax account. Again, am I saying that it, it is better? No, I'm saying for some people, it's beneficial to direct that next chunk of money that you're able to save to the health savings account. And most health, most health savings accounts, you can invest, just keep them in cash. You can invest them in very conservative stuff. But a lot of them, you can also invest in similar long-term investments that you can in a 401k. And, you know, depending on the size of the health savings account and how soon you plan to use that money 
for health expenses. There's different options on how to invest it. So again, HSAs can play a big part in having money available when you retire to cover incidentals and accidentals for medical expenses or just premiums or whatever. If you're a client of ours, we're certainly willing to talk to you about them and, and discuss your options. So anyhow, Bobby D's playing the music. Oh, by the way, thanks, Bob D'Angelo, back at WYSL for producing the show. Bobby D, good job again. Uh, you got any questions, you want a review of your situation financially, uh, don't don't want to talk politics, but let's, let's talk about finances if you want to come in. You get a hold of us at HamiltonWealthManagement.com. Phone number is 381-9870. But just remember, I'm Hamilton. We do wealth management. HamiltonWealthManagement.com. 49ers are going to blow out Kansas City in the Super Bowl tomorrow. You have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next Friday. The opinions voiced in Wall Street to Main Street are offered for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, or financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Advisory services offered through Wealth Plan Partners. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Wealth Plan Partners, Hamilton Wealth Management, and Securities America are separate entities.